welcome to See and Free Studio. This is Jen, and this is the place where you come to figure out what's unique, special, and different about you. I'm very passionate about talking about your USD because I think once you know it and you feel it, it drives your decisions, your choices, and it helps you get through some tough times. And I want everybody to have that feeling of knowing their value and their potential everywhere they go. And I think this next guest has found that in, in his uh, career and in his family and over the years that we've known each other. Eric Gilliland is in his 21st season as the PGA head golf pro at Audubon Country Club in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the proud papa of three children, Tony, Connor, and Libby. And Libby has followed in dad's footsteps as a member of her golf team in, at the university. He serves on the executive committee of the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. He plays 100 holes of golf to raise awareness and money for the group. But a little known fact is that you're looking at Eric's worst caddy ever. After caddying his junior golf tournament in San Antonio, Texas when I was younger, I found out that real golfers have to walk the course and so do their caddies. And so that did not work out for me, clearly was not my USD. but. Eric went on to be a very successful golf pro, and I'm so glad he's joining us here. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Jen. It's great to uh, to be invited, and uh, you're selling yourself short. I mean, I think this caddy thing could still be a possibility for you, so don't give up on it yet. Thanks, I appreciate it. I think the first time I caddied for you, I was probably as tall as your golf bag. <laughs> so um, that's probably how long true. ago that probably was. True. Yeah, but uh, but I have gotten uh, to know you over the years and uh, and watched you. Uh, you know, grow, we grew up together and uh, we've grown up together since. Um, but it's been a fabulous time getting to know you and having you in my life. Uh, you want to tell everybody where you are and what you're doing these days. Sure. I mean, um, again, you launched this whole golf career for me, so uh, I guess I owe it all to you. But uh, this is, uh, as you said, my 21st year at Audubon Country Club. Um, kind of found my way into the golf business through um, uh, playing in college and really had no intention of being in golf at all. Um, I was interested in, in government and history, and that's what I studied and was on my way back from the conference tournament uh, my senior year and my roommate said you really need to try golf you're so eaten up with golf why would you go a different direction at least try the business so um, I, I deferred graduate school for a year really liked the golf business and uh, stayed with it for another and next thing I know I'm 21 years in at Ottoman Country Club and it's just been a, a really great ride yeah, yeah, and um, and it, I've never actually seen the club, but uh, it sounds like a really fabulous course there in Louisville. So if anybody ever is in town, please go see Eric. Uh, he'll give you some tips and, and help you play the course. You know, Eric, one of the things we talk about is, you know, your USD, your unique, special, and different goes beyond the job and, and your interest. And so when you think about your USD, what would you say it is? You know, I, I think I've kind of tripped into that, Jen. I um, I didn't realize when I got into the golf industry just how varied the, the the job of being a golf professional would be. You know, you bump into somebody at a golf uh, or at a cocktail party who's a golf pro, and and, and the kind of questions that, that that pro would be asked is, uh, where do you, where do you play, or what what names do you know? Uh, you must play golf with Tiger Woods. It must be great to play golf all the time, and. 
you know, uh, as a as a golf professional at a private club, we teach. Uh, I, I with my my wife own the golf shop inventory, so we uh, merchandise and and uh, do everything that's involved with owning your own business. Uh, we do tournament operations, junior programming, charity outings. Um, right now, I'm working with a world-renowned architect on doing a social putting green in a short game area that's good for kids and families. Uh, there's just so many different things that come along with it. So when you ask wh what is that USD, I guess it's it's kind of a uh, an understanding of, of what people are looking for, um, how they enjoy their experience, um, connecting with them and and using all the various skills that, that I've developed over the years to connect with people in all those different ways. So when I come to work, uh, one day I may spend half the day working on um, uh, a, a tournament that we have coming up and the other half may be instruction with uh, a four-year-old and, and uh, then a, a senior who's 80 years old trying to hit the ball 10 yards further. And uh, there's, there's, I think, something special, not just within me, but within all golf professionals to be able to have that kind of diversity of day and be able to to excel in each of those things and make people feel um, in a way like you're their best friend. Uh, I, I feel like I have 300 families that are that are my best friends. And uh, it's just been a, a, a really fun way to, to spend every day. Yeah, I love that. And do you think, I mean, having that attention to the experience that people want um, and, and, you know, helping them set their aim high and, and, and shoot for it. Do you think you discovered that when you were younger and then you just recognized it as you got older? Or do you think it's something that you it, that's evolved over time? I would say a lot of that developed in college for me. Uh, that was when I really started trying a lot of new things and stepping out a little bit. Uh, you knew me when I was young. I was a very shy high schooler, middle schooler. Um, not anxious to take risks. And I think the more the more opportunities I took to put myself in places where I was not comfortable, the more I realized what I was capable of doing. And uh, each each time that probably pushed me in this unique direction uh, that, that that I finally landed in. And uh, you just you find out in this profession that it, it's a wonderful platform to do so many things more than just, uh, be a golf pro. Uh, it's, it represents a lot of different things, but there are so many more things you can do in your community uh, with this platform and so many tight relationships. Tell me, what's your absolute favorite part of it? I mean, working with all those different types of people, providing all those different kinds of experiences, do you have a favorite thing that you like to do uh, to provide that experience? All of the things that I mentioned, I, I love doing. Uh, I, I love to teach because that's the deepest connection that you make uh, with your members. Um, I find probably the most rewarding instruction to be with junior golfers because the appreciation that comes both from the junior and the excitement that comes from success from a junior uh, is really, really special. But also the the parents realizing the value you have. Uh, again, I feel like I'm a part of so many different families, and you see these uh, young people grow up to be successful in a lot of different areas, whether it's golf or otherwise. Some come back to uh, uh, to be members of the club, which is really really neat to see. 
Um, and, and when they become avid golfers, you feel like you, you've done something for them, given them a gift that they're going to be able to enjoy for the rest of their life. So that's the instruction part of it. Um, we're able to connect with a lot of charities in this business. We do 10 to 13 corporate slash charity events a year, and almost every one of those is tied to an organization that needs support from the clientele that we serve. And so it, it's phenomenal to see groups like Down Syndrome of Louisville, um, Colon Cancer Prevention Project uh, with whom I work, um, uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, all of these organizations are supported by events that we run. So there's just so many different ways in which you, you, you find yourself fulfilled through this work. That's great. You know, Eric, I, I think the thing that was going on in the back of my mind, and, and I'm not anywhere near a golf pro, I, if it were up to me, I'd play like a three wood all the way through. <laughs> And use, use a T, which I know is sacrilege for you. Um, but, you know, for you to choose, this is, I mean, the word pro, right? That That's a certain standard um, of playing. Uh, you know, do you still enjoy the game from a recreational perspective yourself as you're playing it? And, and you know, what have you learned about yourself as you've played over the years? Well, sure, I, and that's a great question. I do still love to play. Um, the responsibilities in the position have grown so much. Being a golf pro now in 2021 is so different than it might have been for my mentor, Dick Bredo, when he started. It was very much teaching, instruction, club fitting, uh, not, not so much budgeting and uh, uh, data-driven work, which I haven't mentioned, but there's a lot of that behind the scenes as well. Um, but when I can get out there, it's, I most enjoy it with my family and friends. Uh, I still enjoy competing, but it's difficult to go out there and compete when you know you haven't practiced what you preached. So when I'm working with uh, better players, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get those better players to uh, work really hard at what you're teaching them and, and to put in the work. And I found myself for a number of years really just showing up at golf tournaments and, and hoping it worked out. And I wouldn't advise that if you're uh, paying large entry fees to play in tournaments. But there is still, even going to those tournaments and playing with my peers and getting a chance to compete allows me to uh, still get those butterflies and, and feel what it is that, that, that I'm trying to teach my students. Um, I have one right now that uh, we're, we're hopeful is going to make it on uh, the LPGA tour. She's down in Florida playing in events and, you know, still getting getting out there and playing in events myself allows me to connect with her in a way that I wouldn't if I weren't still playing. And I will be a senior this year, which means I get to move forward a little bit this fall. So that's pretty exciting for me. That's very cool. Can you explain what that means? <laughs> what does it mean to become a senior? <laughs> you're right. You're right. I need to. I need to be fair to the whole audience. So when you turn 50 in Kentucky, the Kentucky PGA events are played from what's considered a senior tee. You're slightly less distant. So when you're built like me, you know, five nine, and 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 not exactly cut like uh, most athletes, it's nice to be a little bit further, a little closer up to the green. So when you hit that tee ball, you have a little less club in. So. Um, they don't let me use a three wood and a tee all the way around the golf course. Being a little closer is going to be helpful. <laughs> I don't think they let me do that either, Eric, if it makes you feel better. 
Um, well, I mean, that, I, I'm so glad you still enjoy it because I mean, I remember growing up, you really did as well, and um, and you just it's you seemed natural, like it, that was just your space, and and I, I think for me, the reason golf never caught on is because it required a lot of quiet precision uh, and and deliberate kind of <laughs> intention, none of which I had mastered, <laughs> but you clearly have. So I think it, I think it's wonderful that, that you've pursued this and have, have found your passion and been able to share it with others. And as you've shared it with others, I mean, is there any advice you give people who are thinking about going into this field now that you've shared, like, there's a lot of breadth to it. It's not it's not just getting out and golfing. It's it's a it's a business that you're running and an experience that you're providing. Any advice you give? Well, again, I do think it takes a, a special type of individual, and we're fortunate there are so many of them out there uh, all over the world that are that are spreading this great game. And uh, in a COVID year, uh, golf has actually had a, a huge resurgence. So um, rounds of golf were up over 20% uh, in the United States. People figured out that it's a great way to spend time outdoors. Um, to spend time with family in a, in a safe way. And I, I don't see that going away anytime soon. So if I were uh, to, to speak to somebody who's expressing interest in the business, I would say, if you're okay working weekends and, and working when everybody else is playing, um, that's a good start um, because it's a, it's a very different kind of schedule. You have to make a lot of sacrifices family-wise to, to be in the business. But I, I just can't fathom for someone who's passionate about the game and has a, a, a varied skill set um, and, 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 and the it, the it that I try to hire in every individual that, that comes into my operation. I've been fortunate to have so many golf professionals uh, that have worked under me go on to become head professionals or leaders in the industry. Um, if you've got that, that passion and that, that ability to connect with people, at least give it a shot. You know, if you're a decent player and like to teach and, and uh, um, have that connection, and, and I've got some in, in the golf shop right now that are working with me that really have that it factor, uh, you can be extremely successful and you can be very uh, rewarded in your work. That's great. That's great. And I think that's great advice is just give it a try. Like that's something I think all of us need to do more of. And you talked about that. You, that was a moment for you in college where you got uncomfortable and you took risks and you gave it a try and it's worked out for you. So I think that's fantastic to share with others and to get them out there uh, in that discomfort uh, and to triumph over it. Um, Eric, this is a part of the show where I like to ask a random question. And the good news is the the only choice you get in this is is to pick a number between one and 25. <laughs> and there, therefore you have some control well, <laughs> over what the question is. Well, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, so I'm gonna go with number 12. Which one, what number? Number 12. 12, all right, okay. Ooh, I, I have no idea how you're gonna answer this. What is something that you collect and why? Oh gosh, you should know the answer. I do know one. the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to stay with it. So uh, in 1980, uh, I was playing Little League Baseball and uh, was really, really into everything baseball and uh, started collecting baseball cards. And uh, also became a Pittsburgh Pirates fan in 1980, which uh, the significance of that is the Pirates haven't won anything of significance 
since 1979. And I became a fan in 80 and I'm still waiting. But I started collecting baseball cards, buying those bubble gum packs and flipping through all the cards. And I'm kind of a numbers geek. So I'd put them all in order of batting average and earned run average and all these things. But to, to date now, I would say I have somewhere over 50,000 baseball cards. And uh, my wife, Susan, she's wonderful. She got tired of looking at all these binders and she bought me these really nice they, they look like books the way they're bound and they sit on shelves in our bedroom now and don't look like baseball cards at all. So I feel like we both have there. <laughs> I remember those binders. You had so many of them. You're the yes. one that taught me how to read a baseball card, if I remember. Um, <laughs> we had shoe boxes and binders. I mean, there's so many of those that's things. Right. I remember that. Um, well, that's I, that's great. I didn't know you were still collecting. So, I, And I think, right, that's worth something, the baseball cards, if they, you they ever are. chose I don't know to that I could ever <laughs> I don't know that I could ever sell them, but yes, they would have some value for sure. Yeah, for Hopefully, sure. I, uh, one of the three kids will want to keep them. Okay. Yes, I, I suspect they will. Those are definitely mementos, and Dad has had them forever, kids, so you definitely want to keep them. Um, Eric, you do, I, I want to make sure that you talked about you give a lot to charities and you're involved with a lot of charities, and here at Seeing Free, we want to raise awareness for charities as much as possible so that our viewers can uh, get to know those charities and help them with their cause and, and impacting people. So with that, I know you're supporting uh, the Kohler Can Colon Cancer Prevention Project. You want to share a little bit about the organization and why it's important to you? Absolutely. So um, at the age of 36, when my children were, were all very young, um, I experienced uh, a little bit of rectal bleeding. and. Uh, didn't really know what it was, didn't think a whole lot about it, but uh, brought it to Susan's attention. And she had very fortuitously just read an article about 10 symptoms you should never ignore. And that was one. So fast forward to uh, what happened, uh, I wound up having an emergency resection on my colon. I actually had colon cancer at the age of 36, no family history, no reason to believe that I had uh, any, any possibility of having any form of had a pretty healthy lifestyle. Um, so took a, a, a few months to recover. Um, and uh, I, I will say that that uh, my mom and your dad were phenomenal through the whole ordeal, helped out with our family quite a bit because uh, it was tough for Susan as a young mother to have me down for a while. But uh, I was very fortunate to make a, 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 a full recovery. I had a surgeon who uh, uh, knew what I did for a living and wanted to make sure that he, he uh, he did an aggressive procedure to, to, to return me to my lifestyle. So eventually, once I kind of got my legs under me again, I thought, well, this is a new lease on life for me. This is an opportunity to, as I said earlier, use my platform, uh, use my relationships to drive awareness uh, and uh, make sure that, that, that folks have symptom recognition and so I got involved with uh, Dr. Whitney Jones' um, organization, the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. In Kentucky, uh, a lot of folks would, would, would think maybe we're a little bit of a backward state and with uh, colon cancer prevention, we absolutely are. And at one time, we were 49th in colon cancer uh, screenings in the country. We were really terrible. We have a lot of environmental issues uh, uh, and habit issues in Kentucky, particularly in Appalachia, 
uh, and inner city that, that exacerbate that problem. So we, uh, we as an organization are very uh, on the offense. Uh, we're not about um, uh, helping people uh, at the end of this process. We're about beating this thing uh, at the start. So we, uh, uh, in the years that, that Whitney has, has led the project and Amanda Smart, our current executive director, uh, and with our board's involvement, we have gone from the 49th state to the uh, uh, 20th state in, in the nation for colon cancer screenings. We've had a 25% reduction in incidence, 28% uh, reduction in mortality. And so every year we, we come up with a new plan. How, where are we going next? How are we gonna fight this thing and beat it back? And what's scary, Jen, is that people are getting younger and younger that are getting this. And so that's why I play 100 holes every year. Uh, we within our membership, it draws attention to this issue, and they've raised over seventy-eight thousand dollars, friends and family at Audubon, since 2013, just with our little uh, uh, little work for the project. So we're just going to keep on battling this thing because it's unnecessary. Most of it's preventable, and if we uh, if we get people paying attention, we're going to continue to be successful. Yeah, we will, and I'm so glad that you're healthy and doing well and that your doctor took care of you uh, and our parents took care of you as well. Um, you know, and thank you, Susan, for reading that article <laughs> and, and pushing him to go to the doctor. Uh, everyone needs one of those in their lives, somebody in their family that yes. just says, no, you, you should go. Um, but that's those are phenomenal results. And congratulations to um, the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Congratulations to Kentucky, because that's, you know, that's those margins are, are phenomenal. So uh, please, everyone, if you're watching and you've heard Eric's story, you know, one, get yourself checked out, and two, go check out uh, the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you go ahead and check it out online. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or LinkedIn, uh, we'll have the code up again here in a little bit for you. You just need to take your camera, snap the QR code, and it'll take you right to the donation page. Uh, so we want to make sure we do as much as we can um, to help people find this disease early and fight it. With that, I wanna thank you, Eric, uh, for coming on the show and giving us the opportunity to check in with each other. I've really appreciated the chance to do that today. And Eric, thanks again, my friend. I miss you and I hope to see you soon. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. It was a pleasure. Um, and I wanna uh, send us off with a reminder that everyone can subscribe to seeinfreestudio.com and check us out on YouTube or LinkedIn or Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can probably find us everywhere at this point. We're so glad you come back every week and talk soon. <laughs>